What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. As always, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow us, and don't forget to share this with a friend. This month, we're talking about our new series called Realign, and we believe that if we were to realign ourselves with God and His will, that God is going to do some amazing things. How do we do that, though? That's what we're going to talk about today in today's episode. God bless you guys. What is up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in to VCast. I'm really excited because we're starting our brand new series on Realign. And so um, we believe that in the month of May, this month, we are going to be seeing a tremendous move of God in our services and also in just in the in the lives in general of our uh, congregation and everybody who's listening to this podcast revival. We believe that it is going to sweep through the nation, a revival um, of of just people who love God. Um, But in order to see something like that, people need to position themselves for revival. There are terms for revival. There's terms for us. So how do we realign ourselves um, to put ourselves into a better position to see a move of the Spirit of God um, in in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, in our jobs, in our nations. We want to see God move, um, but in order to do that, we as Christians need to do our part as well. So how can we realign ourselves with God? And that's what we're talking about. So what do we got today? All right. Well, Throughout all the podcasts that are coming this month, you're going to see a story that continues to reoccur because we just thought that this story portrayed it the best, how to realign with God. And it hits every aspect of it. When you break it down verse by verse, you see that in every verse, there's a different way that we kind of realign ourselves back with God. And it's in Isaiah, Isaiah 6. But today we want to talk about our belief and what does our belief stand on when it comes mm-hmm. to God, right? It's um, a very big part of being Christian. It's mm-hmm. a belief in God, right? Correct. But um, what is that belief in God based off? Is, is it just an acknowledgement of his existence or is it something more than that? Right. It's 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 a foundation of, of what we believe about God really dictates the way we live our life. And so it's important that what we believe and what we know to be true about God is really going to guide the way we live our lives. You know, it's sort of like, um, I just, this is probably a bad example, but I'm sure it might hit on a certain level. But um, if you knew, like when you were younger and you did like to, I know that when I was younger, I used to get into a lot of trouble when my parents weren't around. So if my parents weren't home, I would do all sorts of things and that were bad and that I wasn't supposed to do. Um, and I did them because I'm like, my parents aren't going to be home till like six o'clock tonight. But then once that time came where they came home early and it threw me off guard and I had forgot, oh, this is the day they get out early. Um, then I'm going to get in trouble and it's going to mess me up. And so I feel like it's kind of the same way with God where you can believe something to be true about God. But if you if you're if you're not accurate in what you believe, it's going to get you into a lot of trouble. It's going to mess you up when the time comes. And so I think that we really need to get our, our views on God straight. And so many of us believe some weird stuff about God. We think, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, yeah, I did this. But, you know, God still loves me. And it's like, well, you know. God is not just the justifying God, but he's a just God and he punishes sin. And we have to understand that that there is a there is a right way to think about God. And so let's dive into Isaiah six and figure out what that is. All right. Yeah. So we're going to start with Isaiah chapter six, verses one through five. Um, And it says, 
In the year King Uzziah dies, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So some people might be asking, well, Jacob, what does this have to do with a belief in God? Mm-hmm. Right? Like how, like, how does this verse relate to that? Right. And the way that it relates is actually seeing the righteousness of God, encountering that righteousness of God. Um, again, our belief in God is not just based on his existence, but on his character. Right. Right. It's not just, well, I know that God exists out there. So all I have to do is simply believe. Mm-hmm. But you even brought it up earlier that a belief in God is um, that. What, what were you? You were just saying like that a belief in God dictates kind of like the way we live our yeah, life, like the way yeah. that we live our life and that some people believe wrong things about God. Mm-hmm. And it's because they don't have that encounter with who he is. Right. right. So we just believe whatever. And you see that these new sort of ideas are popping up all over the place. Right. Because we haven't encountered God the way that scripture tells us to mm. encounter God. So the righteousness of God displayed to us tells us exactly how we should believe in him and realign ourselves right. with him. Right. Yeah. Like I think a lot of I think that a, one of the issues we run into in Christianity today is that a lot of us have a very low view of God. Um, that that God is just our buddy, our good friend, and He's always been there, you know. And like we 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 glory in God, and I don't want to take this away from anybody, but you know, we'll we'll think, oh man, God is so good. He helped me get a parking space today at church, and it was just such a blessing to me. And I'm like, yeah, it, God's not, and yeah, I believe that God pays attention to little details, but sometimes we just make God so much smaller than what He really is. And when I look at the experience that Isaiah has, where he actually is in the throne room of God, and um, the first thing he says is that he saw the Lord seated on a throne, that God rules and reigns. And I think a lot of us today don't actually see the reign of God over our lives. Um, we, We say that he does, but our actions actually dictate that he doesn't. Um, And I think it's so important for us to understand, like, God is on the throne, not me. Not anybody else. Nobody is God over my life but God. He is sitting on the throne. And that the train of his robe filled the temple, which to me was incredible because, um, you know, when you see these big, these kings and these queens that they walk and they have this gigantic robe that follows behind them, it signifies their royalty. And yet God doesn't just have a big train of his robe rather the train of his robe fills the entire temple so like there was nowhere you were going that you weren't stepping on god's robe Mm -hmm. and that's pretty intimidating to see just how royal and holy he is yeah it's that encounter with god that brings him to a realization right Mm -hmm. that god although like you were just saying that we make him so small but god is so holy yeah and when isaiah encountered that what is the very first thing he says he says woe is me for i'm lost Mm -hmm. i've seen the king 
I've seen the King of Kings, the Lord of hosts, right? Mm -hmm. It, it happens with many other people in the Bible as well. Like when the righteousness of God is shown to them, if we go to Moses and the burning bush, right? God speaks to Moses and obviously Moses is in awe. He's awestruck by what he's seeing. And God, the first thing God says to him is, take off your sandals for the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. Mm -hmm. That means anywhere where God goes, it's now holy ground, mm -hmm. right? So the second that he appeared there, he's like, ground you're standing on is not holy ground. And when we talk about Isaiah seeing the throne, almost there are many other times when God appears and he's still on that throne. God yeah. and his throne are never separated mm -hmm. from each other. He is always king. Um, if we go to Ezekiel 1, 25 through 28, right? We see God again appear on a throne and it says, then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And, a, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire and the brilliant light surrounded him like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Mm. So what I see here is that, I, and I was talking about this with myself earlier as I was writing all this stuff down, that when trying to describe the holiness of God, even the Bible, although it's perfect, still yeah, fails right. to kind of it, not, it, not it can't fails, capture. but it can't capture the human it fully. authors couldn't human fully exactly. encapsulate it. Yeah, like even they're struggling to try and they're coming up with all the comparisons on Earth that we have. Right, it's just like lapis lazuli. It's like, like fire. Yeah. Like, like like they have no other way to explain it. So even the human authors of the Bible struggle. Mm -hmm. to explain God's holiness. Yeah, and his glory is so uh, majestic that it, it it has a reaction on people, right? The, the reaction that it has is a realization that I am undone, that I am dead meat, right? Like, like every one of these experiences, these people are just dumbfounded. They're standing in awe of who God is. Um, it's where the word, the, the word awe just means jaw dropping shock and terror. When you think about every experience with God, it's so many people today, they're just like, I just want to be in the presence of God. I'm like, are you sure about that? Can you handle that? <laughs> Can you handle that? They, because these are, we're talking about prophets here, right? Like mm -hmm. people that God has chosen and they can't even stand yeah. in God's presence. He says, fell face down. And I would think that it's almost like he was forced to the ground. Yeah. Like the presence of God is just so strong that it's like a pressure on you that you just, you have to fall over yeah. on your face. Um, and you ever hear people always like, it's always like atheists. I can't wait for judgment day so I can call God to screw himself. You ever oh, hear yeah. people like Seen that? people say stuff, stuff like that. Like, I'm like, like, I can't wait for judgment day so I can like flip God off yeah. in his face. I'm like, I've heard know. those people. That, I'm like, y'all. Y'all are another level of crazy. Yeah, bro. There was an old song, too, that used to say that. It says, um, when I stand in his presence to my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I'm like, it's the latter every time. You're on your face. Um, I, I Even there was an experience with Jesus where he's they're like, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And they're about to arrest him. And he says, uh, I am. When he said, I am, it says that the soldiers fell down as if dead on the ground. Can you imagine that? It's like, I am. 
everybody just d- drops dead and then they get back up and he's like, hey, welcome back to earth. You know, like, oh my <laughs> goodness. The presence of God is something powerful and and many people have tried to stand in it, but to their knees, they fall. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, in our last month, I think we were talking about the I am statements of correct. God, correct? Mm-hmm. And one of them is I am the light of the world, mm-hmm. right? And, and something that I wanted to kind of poke at is that realization of self that you were talking about, right? That this glory of God is like a light Mm -hmm. that exposes everything. So when encountered with God, as we saw the people, they had that reaction. Isaiah said the second that he saw God, nothing else came out of his mouth except, woe is me, I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. Cursing himself. Yeah, you (laughs) realize in yourself the glory of God is so bright and is a light that exposes so many of your, um, your darkest secrets yeah. that you have no choice but to realize the sinful state that Correct. you're in when standing before him. Exactly. And this is where the realigning of with God comes in. It's when we when we fully see God's righteousness and holiness, mm-hmm. we realize in ourselves that something is wrong. Yeah. Right? And we see that in scripture. If we go to Luke 5, 8, um, this was right after Jesus had performed the miracle for Peter for fishing, right? Everyone knows the story where um, he told Peter to cast out his net. Peter had caught nothing. And all of a sudden, Peter starts to catch massive amounts of fish to fill two boats. Yeah, the boat starts sinking. The boat started sinking. And here's Simon Peter's reaction to Jesus. It's Luke 5, 8. It says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So that was his response yeah. to Jesus. It was depart from me. I'm sinful. So when encountering this this God man, this man who's performing miracles, this Messiah, he's yeah. like, I'm unworthy, depart from me. Yeah, and it's the same thing that Paul experienced in the road to Damascus. There's this understanding that when I encounter the glory of God and I see how high God is, everything else seems so low. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is brought low. Um, my problems, my cares, my worries, my anxieties, my fears seem nothing in comparison to how big my God is. And when you have an outlook on life like that, where I realize just how great my God is, everything else starts to pale in comparison. I think it was Paul who said it. I count all things as rubbish in comparison to the knowledge. We were actually in talking Jesus. about that yeah. word a little while ago. In oh, yeah. Greek, it's scubalon. Yeah, which means it's, dung. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it basically uh, the the dung. Yeah, poop. But it's you poop, know, yeah. a little more vulgar is yeah. basically what he's trying to Excrement. say. Yes, it's it's just the worst of the worst. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Literally everything that I am, or yeah. all the stuff that I had in worldly flesh, it's all lost. Yeah. Um, and um, Paul, it, it's brought up to Paul a lot. Like Paul used to kill Christians, and even Christians would bring it up. They'd be, or other Jews would bring it up. Isn't he the man who killed Christians? Mm-hmm. Right. And and Paul affirms this, and he recognizes this. He even says himself that I used to persecute the church in all his letters. This is the realization of self. Yeah. And this is where the realigning um starts in. It's that right. realization of self. Yeah, yeah. So like God is so good. When you realize how good God is, you realize how good we're not. And we're not good. The Bible says, for there is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks for God. No one understands. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's in that understanding of self where it's like I have a high view of God and a low view of self. 
but this low view of self shouldn't cause me to be anxious or depressed or worried but rather in need of god's grace and his mercy and i feel like that's exactly where isaiah was because he's crying out to god and saying hey god woe is me for i'm a i'm lost i'm a man of unclean lips i come from a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts and right after that a seraphim uh comes down this six-winged creature comes down grabs a coal from the hot burning altar and touches his lips with it and says what uh, uh, he says, uh, let me look. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything in that moment to deserve it or earn it, but rather in his acceptance of who he was in light of who God was. Now you're made clean. Mm-hmm. But it only happens when we can acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that is the the response mm-hmm. of God to our to realization our, yeah. of self, right? And it's crazy how we do nothing other than realize that we need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do nothing, nothing, right? We th- There's nothing that we can do in order to earn that atonement yeah. other than just realizing that we need it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's beautiful that the way that that works, that mm-hmm. God is just willing to respond to our realization. All we need to do is realize it. Yeah. Um, in um, Romans 5, 6, it says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah. Right. So what did we do there? Nothing. again. Nothing. But at the right time, he died for the ungodly. Yeah. I think that I think that's where we kind of come to the, the close of all things here is that in all of this, what is what is it that we need to put into action? It's this. Your view of God needs to elevate and your view of self needs to go down, right? And then in that process, when you realize how good God is, you are brought low. But when you are brought low, God brings you up high. He comes down by his grace, scoops us up by his grace and brings us into the heavenly dwellings. The grace of God is not something you can earn or achieve. It's something that's freely given by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. By putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you receive the grace of God. And grace is no longer grace if it's by works. You don't earn this. It's just God lovingly giving you what you don't deserve. Thank you guys for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. If you did, don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with as many people as you know so we can get the word of God out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode.